The Old Testament reading, Genesis chapter 2. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. So out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the heavens, to the beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. The man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading, our epistle reading, is from Ephesians chapter 5. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in love, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our gospel reading, the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 19th chapter. Jesus said to the Pharisees, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man rip asunder. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
members of Good Shepherd Congregation, family and friends that have gathered here today for this uh, joyous and festive occasion, special family and friends that get a front row standing room only spot, and especially to you, Kent and Brandon, grace and peace. Love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior. Amen. You know, I've officiated a lot of weddings. Well over 200 weddings. And after a while, they kind of uh, run together and blend, and it's kind of hard to distinguish some of them. But there are some that have had kind of a unique or special flavor. Most of the weddings have been right here at the Shepherd. Before our sanctuary was built, I officiated weddings pretty much anywhere and everywhere. The sunken gardens, several between the pillars at Pioneer Park, Joslin Art Museum, backyards, front yards, sister congregations. Those kind of stick out. There's also several weddings where the couple said, Pastor, we'd like to have a special theme at our wedding. And those kind of caught me off guard. Uh, I've been asked to participate in country western themed weddings. One that even wanted me to officiate from the Sabbath. <laughs> I said I had one wedding where they wanted a Middle Ages theme, and they wanted me to dress up like Friar Tuck from Robin Hood. <laughs> Probably the most unique was the couple wanted to have a Roaring Twenties theme, and they wanted all of the groomsmen to wear wide striped suits, with two-tone shoes, complete with Tommy gun cases. <laughs> yeah, I said no to that one as well. Now, now that I've matured a little bit, when people talk to me about themes for weddings, I have a standard answer. God has already given us a theme for marriage. And it's not the Roaring Twenties for Robin Hood. The theme for weddings is marriage. Marriage. God has set before us today in his holy word his theme, not only for marriage in general, but for your marriage right here and right now. If you were listening carefully, you heard repeated. Three times God's theme for marriage. To become one. To become one. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. That implies that a woman is leaving her mother and father and is united to her husband. To become one. This is God's mathematics. This is God's theme for marriage. In a sense, we cut the cord. And now, while we are still daughter and son and brother and sister and all these other relationships, now God 
kind of changes the order with these relationships. They're all important. And your love and your commitment to your family and friends doesn't change. But now God says, I'm giving you a new one. The most important relationship, humanly speaking, your most important relationship is with Christ. We know that. But your most important relationship, humanly speaking, is with each other. To become one. To become one. That's not some curse. It's a gift. And quite frankly, it's a miracle. It's an absolute miracle. In our Old Testament reading from Genesis 2, we see God creating. That's what God does. He is a gift-giving God. He creates. And in creation, he makes something out of nothing. Let there be a rock. Let there be a mountain. Let there be a tree. By the power of his word, he speaks, and it is. It's a miracle. He brings things into creation by the power of his word. Our text zeroed in on the sixth day of creation. He had formed out of the dust of the ground. He took some of the dirt that he had already created. He shaped the dirt into the shape of a human being. He breathed into the dirt, and the dirt came alive. The first man. Adam, in Hebrew, literally means man from the soil. Or as I like to say, dirt boy. <laughs> this is not a myth. This is not a fairy tale. This is God's word. It is absolute truth. And when we pick up in those words in Genesis chapter 2, creation is not done. In a sense, it's incomplete. It's not good for me. God brought all the animals to Adam. Adam says, well, thanks, God, but it's not really what I had in mind. And God knew this. And so God caused Adam to fall into the deep sea. And while Adam was sleeping, he took the English translation says one of the man's ribs. In Hebrew, it's much more graphic. It's like God reached into Adam and took a chunk right out of him. And out of this chunk that God took out of Adam, he created Eve. Out of one, God made two. It's a miracle. And then what did God do? Out of two, Adam and Eve, God made one. God's perfect mathematics. God said it, and it is. Adam and Eve were now husband and wife. Oh, if it would have just stayed like that perfection in paradise, but it didn't last long, did it? Husbands and wives, yes, but most importantly, I'm talking about Christ and the 
church. We are poor, miserable sinners who can't save ourselves. We've always heard, as Tony Bennett would say, the one we love. We know this. This is true. We sin in thought, in word, in deed. Husbands and wives sin against each other. What are we going to do? Well, we look to God for the answer and the solution for our sin. God, in his love and mercy, sends his son into the world. Into this world that he created, this world that had been marred and broken by sin. Jesus takes on flesh and blood, not to prove that he can do it, but he does it for you and for me and for the life of the world. Jesus places himself under the law, which condemns us, but Jesus didn't sin. He fulfilled it. Jesus didn't sin. He didn't have to die, but he freely and willingly took on the sin of the world as he became our substitute on Calvary's cross. Every sin, every unloving thought, word, every broken relationship Christ has paid for them with his blood with his lifeblood but the sacrifice of Jesus on Good Friday isn't the end of the story our God is not a God of death but a God of life three days later Jesus who was dead is not alive never to die again Good Friday and Easter are poured out to us baptismal thought they're poured out to us every time we hear that gospel message, the forgiveness of sins and life everlasting is ours. When someone believes the gospel, there is an intimate relationship between Christ and that believer. And the picture of that intimate relationship between Christ and the believer is the picture of what's going on right here. The intimate relationship between a husband and a wife to become one in body, in mind, in heart, in soul. It's a miracle. Today, God creates a new thing. Up until now, it's been Kenton and Brad. So, today, God says, I'm going to make a new thing. And by the power of God's word, God will say, in just a couple of minutes, God will say, let there be. Can't be ready. And by the power of God's word, two become one. It's a miracle. It is an absolute miracle. It's a miracle of God, a miracle of creation. God's gift to you is each other. That's an amazing gift, yes. It's an amazing gift. Now, now you don't have to play the field anymore because God has given you the gift of each other. And in the gift of each other and the intimacy that only a husband and a wife share, you have a daily reminder of God's love for you, not only in the gift of each other, but in the intimate gift of the gospel, forgiveness, life, and salvation. What God has joined together, let not man rip asunder. Thus saith the Lord, this is God's gift, this is God's
The devil, the world, and your own sinful flesh will war against it. And that's why the gospel is not just a one-time thing to get you into the church. It is your life every day. When we come into God's house for divine service, the first thing we do is we confess our sins. I have born miserable sin. We know it's true. We know where to go next to God. And what does God do? In His love, He forgives us our sins. Not because of how much we pay, pray, or obey. He forgives us our sins on account of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are new creations every day. The power of the gospel, like the power of forgiveness of sins. As husband and wife, Now, eventually, 20 or 30 years down the road, eventually the honeymoon will wear off, right? And the reality of the world that you live in will be there. Yeah, it won't take 20 years, trust me. You will know the sin of your spouse more than any other person in the whole world except yourself. Sometimes I would walk. Rather than submitting to God's word, you want your own words and your own selfish desires to trump the word of God. There are five indispensable words that God gives to you today for your marriage. When one of you sins against the other, The two most difficult words in the human language. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You have to swallow your pride to say I'm sorry. It's really, really hard. And when one of you works up enough courage by the grace of God to say I'm sorry, the response from the other one, the three most important words in your marriage. It's not, I love you. Anybody say that. What you'll want to say is, you should be. And that's not what God wants either. The three most important words in response to those words in the song. I'm sorry I forgive you. I'm sorry I forgive you. If you guys can make those five words a real part of your marriage, you have no idea the blessings that God has in store for you and for every one of your family and friends. It's not humanly possible to say, I'm sorry, I forgive you. It's not. It's a miracle. And it can only be said by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you by grace through faith. That intimate relationship that God has with you overflows into your relationship.
abstain from marriage. God's gift to you. Now, in a few minutes, your family and friends are going to be congratulating you and shaking your hand and giving you a hug and giving you some words of wisdom. Some of it will be cute and clever and probably some of it won't be. But uh, you know the routine. It'll be a lot of fun. Let me do it first. The wisest human being that has ever lived, according to God's word, is King Solomon. King Solomon offered Psalm 127. It's one of the verses that we studied in our premarital time. The first half of the first verse of Psalm 127 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. You guys have been great and the model of your family and friends to this whole congregation about being in God's word being in God's house, listening to God's word, and receiving God's gifts. Keep it Build your marriage. Build your family. Build your life on that solid foundation, which is Christ crucified and risen for you. Always remember God's gift to you today, too, has become one. Thanks to you. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.